In a world where good news is hard to find, WAVA and One Heart DC present Good News for the City. We're here to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and what his body, the church, is doing to spread this good news in the Washington, D.C. metro area, including Northern Virginia, Maryland, and D.C. As Jesus said in John 17, Father, that they may be one just as we are one. Welcome to Good News for the City. It's the gospel, the gospel that makes a way. Greetings, folks, and welcome to Good News for the City, the radio broadcast ministry partnership between WABA Radio and One Heart DC, right here on Life Changing Talk Radio, 105.1 FM, WABA. My name is Dennis Williams. I'm director of ministry for WABA Radio, and I want to welcome you to today's broadcast. Well, folks, you already know this. Before I even say a word, you know this, and it's this. Far too frequently, we hear news reports of yet another shooting death. We've heard it recently. Tragedies rooted in long-standing racial tensions in our country. The world watches Christians, both black and white, to see our response, and far too often they see either no response or a response that does not square with the one we follow, Jesus' response, or a response that attenuates over time with little lasting impact. Inside the church, we wrestle with Excuse me, we wrestle with making sense of these tensions and what to do. We wrestle with our disunity in Christ. Well, Micah 6 8 points us to a clear answer on how the Lord wants us to respond. It's this you've heard it before act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. Well, our guests today are two spiritual leaders and friends, one black and one white. And they have seen the racial tensions and injustices that have simmered in our culture for decades. And they have joined together here in the DMV as catalysts for leading change within the church and ultimately leading to transformation in our communities. We're going to discuss a new book entitled Required, which provides a blueprint for intentional efforts by Christians to address the racial divide in the church and society by exercising awareness and ownership and our own agency for change. And we want to talk about that. And of course, here to get us started and introduce our guests for the day is my good friend, my buddy, uh, co-host of Good News for the City, Pastor Brian Bale, Senior Pastor of Christian Fellowship Church in Ashburn, Virginia. My brother, God bless your heart, man. It is good to see you, finally. It's been a little minute, but it's great to see you, brother. Good to see you as well. There are lots of reasons I love being a part of Good News for the City, but one of the things that I love the most is that this has been a conversational dialogue we've had now for four years, going through the issues of the good news of the gospel and what it speaks to, and it speaks to every part of our life, including the issues of racial equality and connection that we're going to talk about today. And, And the other thing that I love about this show if I can sort of toot our own horn just a little bit, is that we don't shy not away. Not that we would ever do that, folks. Not no, that we but, would ever do that. Yeah, we don't shy away from the difficult <laughs> or the hard subjects. And if you don't yes, believe we yes, don't shy away from the yes. difficult or hard subjects, just check the email inbox after a few of our shows and show that to be true. But <laughs> just because something yeah. is hard, yeah, yeah, yeah. just because something is complicated, or just because something has been done wrong in the past, doesn't mean that something isn't good and of God. 
especially when we were talking about what we're going to talk about today. So you've given a little heads up already, but let me tell you about the two guests that are joining us. The first is Dr. David Rennick. He currently serves as senior pastor at National Presbyterian Church in D.C. It has a rich heritage of that church going back to 1795. Uh, He's been a minister now for 44 years, serving diverse congregations all throughout both the United States as well as in Canada. He's a graduate of St. Andrews University in Scotland, where he studied applied mathematics, which once again, Dennis, we have people on the show a lot smarter than us. Uh, <laughs> Just wears received, me out, brother. Wears right, me out. <laughs> his uh, Master's of Divinity from Gordon Conwell and a PhD from Union Theological Seminary. He's the author of Paul, the book called Paul, The Temple and the Presence of God. And uh, his wife uh, is a media specialist in the D.C. public schools. They have three adult children and five grandchildren. And as well, we have the co-author of the book that you just mentioned, Required, joining us today, uh, Dr. Bishop Claude Alexander. Again, a lot of titles I can put before these wonderful men's names. He currently serves as a senior pastor of the Park Church in Charlotte, North Carolina, and he's been there for over 30 years. He is one of the most respected voices around the globe on this subject that we're talking about today of race. He's the past president of the Hampton University Ministers Conference, serves on boards, of all types of organizations, Christianity Today, Gordon Conwell Seminary, Wycliffe Bible Translators, just to name a few. He uh, obtained a a BA degree in philosophy from Morehouse, a master's of divinity from Pittsburgh Theological Seminary, and then he has a doctorate of ministry degree from Gordon Conwell. He and his wife, Kimberly, they have two daughters, and he is the author of this book that you just mentioned with Mac Peer as well. So thank you, gentlemen, for both joining us in the show today. Um, Claude, I want to start with you. You've dedicated a large portion of your life in ministry to addressing the significant challenge and problem of racism. And I'm just going to say sin because problems light, light footing it just a bit and its effects. And we and, and we're grateful when we're able to talk to people who've stepped into that mantle of leadership and taking on this very important issue. And I'm sure there's a whole lot you could tell our listeners about how God's prepared you uh, for this moment. So would you just sort of tell people a little bit about how God has prepared you for this moment where you step in and talk about how God wants us to live and act towards each other? Sure. So it's, it's good to be with you and to be here with my friend, David. Um, the first point of preparation would, would, would be the parents that God gave me. Um, mm. my, um, my mother um, and my stepfather, uh, both medical physicians, and we lived in, lived in Jackson, Mississippi. My stepfather served as a John Perkins physician. Mm-hmm. Um, he would serve as the physician for Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. whenever he was in Mississippi as a part of medical coverage for the civil rights movement. Right. He helped form the uh, community health movement around the country. My mother, first black psychiatrist in Mississippi, and we're both believers. And so there was no separation be- be- between their uh, discipleship, their service of God, and their service to the community. That's right. And growing up in Jackson, Mississippi, during post-desegregation was a unique time to be African-American and grow up. So first, by way of my parentage and where I grew up. Secondly, is the unique gift of of the gospel. Mm -hmm. Of the gospel. And in common, as a young person, and then seeing the call to ministry 
and having had the example of my parents serving out of their commitment to Christ and the community. So those two things were highly formative for me. Yeah. Well, and and as we talk today, we recognize that if you have a pulse, you have an opinion. And lots of times uh, the challenges when those two opinions meet are we sometimes use the same words, but we don't mean the same things by them. Uh, Both of you gentlemen have been like me. You wrote a dissertation and there's this part in every dissertation that is called definition of terms, Mm -hmm. meaning in light of the conversation or the book or the dissertation you're about to read, when this word is used, this is how being used. So we're going to talk about uh, racism today. So let's just start, if you were to articulate a little bit, uh, how you define some important terms we're going to talk about. Sure. So racism, we we mean the denial, the frustration, and the antagonism Mm -hmm. of the personhood, place, by place we mean belonging, and participation of an individual or a group due to their race. Right. So when we're talking about racist acts, we're, we're talking about anything that denies, antagonizes, or frustrates a person or group's dignity and value, mm-hmm. their right to belong, and their ability to fully participate as an equal. Right. Yeah. Now, many times we're able to articulate a problem mm-hmm. like racism, but we're right. not really able to understand what to do next in order to address those tensions or to change those. And in your book, you sort of lay out of a process in addressing these unacceptable truths that we're living in that isn't how God wants this world to be. We talk through that a little bit before we go any farther. So oftentimes the, the tension in discussion is due to gaps of understanding, mm-hmm. gaps, gaps of awareness, both, both in terms of history, right? And how that plays out contemporarily. Mm-hmm. So by, by awareness, we mean both a historical awareness, um, a personal awareness of oneself and others, mm-hmm. right? As well as an awareness of what is at the surface, right? Right. And once we are aware, then it's the notion of taking ownership. Now, by, by ownership, we don't mean taking blame, Right. This isn't about blame. And I'm glad you're identifying the difference because there's some people that would heard ownership and, and right. take the word and make right. blame right. a synonym. Right, right, right. You know, the, the, the common thing is, you know, it wasn't my, it's not my fault, right? right. Well, it's not my, it's not my fault either. It's, it, it's none of our fault, right? Mm-hmm. But it is a problem that exists. And the question is, do we own the fact that this is a problem? And do we own the responsibility to seeking to solve the problem? Mm-hmm. And if, if, if we say yes to that, then the question is, what do we do? How do we, how do we act in a way that influences the outcome? Right. And that's the question of agency, mm-hmm. the ability to influence an outcome or to alter. Right. Now, yeah, Dr. Rennick, uh, thanks for joining us as well. Um, I want to just kind of pass it off to you a little bit because you find yourself in this conversation coming from a different background and place uh, than Bishop Alexander from the standpoint that uh, you both have very educated backgrounds. You both have doctor degrees. You both have all of the experience. But your particular congregation that you serve with a very rich heritage there in Washington, D.C., is predominantly matching in your racial profile. 
Uh, and that is that you are Caucasian in that way. And so I know that you personally have grown in your understanding of these issues and you're leading others, especially in your church and your community, to have a greater understanding and walk with a gospel response to do justice, love mercy, and to walk humbly before God. Can you tell us a little bit about how uh, your personal journeys worked and how God's worked in you and through um, your church that you have a chance to serve there in D.C.? Oh, Brian, thank you very much. Uh, and, and Dennis, good to be with you. And Claude, always good to be with you again. Uh, thank you, brother. So uh, you will hear, even as I speak, that I'm not a native-born uh, uh, North American, but come from Scotland uh, originally. And I would say that as an immigrant to the country, I've always been slightly on the outside. I'm on the inside, and clearly I'm a Caucasian. But uh, being an immigrant, I have a, a sense of, you know, I belong, but I don't. My kids all speak like you all do, mm-hmm. uh, and they are in the in the fold. But I've always been kind of on the borderline. So I came to this country as a, a student uh, back home in Scotland, uh, found an American girl who I married, and that's what brought me over uh, long term. But when I came to seminary, I wasn't married. And my roommate, my first year at seminary was African-American. I uh, came from Pittsburgh, inner city Pittsburgh, and uh, the two of us just had to make it work. I was as strange to him as he was to me. Mm-hmm. And he didn't know anything about Scotland. I didn't know anything about Pittsburgh, let alone on the racial level. So we were dealing with all kinds of different dynamics. And God just put us together uh, every day of our lives in that first uh, year of seminary. Uh, so that was sort of a, 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 my awakening and saying, whoa, this is a different world. How do I understand this world? Uh, in in the framework uh, within which I'm now operating. Uh, But I'd say that it was uh, probably 20 years later when I was now uh, uh, a pastor and I moved to Lexington, Kentucky at a time when there had just been a shooting in that city and pastor of a Presbyterian uh, church. And the issue of racial dialogue was just right on the front burner. So almost from day one, relationships... um, between the churches, which had been at a pretty low level, became critical across racial Mm -hmm. lines. And uh, I made it a point to turn up at events, whether I was invited or not invited, just to get to know uh, uh, folks in the community, especially black pastors. And as the years went by, I was there for 11, uh, 12 years. Um, Good Baptist pastor friend of mine, Joe Owens and I, uh, were leaders in forming a, a a faith-based uh, uh, community uh, organization, which mm-hmm. dealt as partners in uh, dealing with issues in the city. Right. And uh, that word partnership is just so important. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no question that uh, we were divided and there were parts of the city that neither of us knew much about and uh, what was going on in them. And so you've got history, which we've referred to, long-term, but you've also got present-day stories, his or her stories, uh, which only arise in relational conversations. Right. So I want to hop in. Yeah, no, I want to hop in here and and highlight something that you just highlighted, that 
that there's one thing to be aware of an issue. It's another thing to sort of step into in dealing with it. Like whether it was your roommate, you didn't have a choice to run away from that issue in that particular time. But many times we have an opportunity to say, oh, I recognize this, but don't do anything about it. In fact, um, a poll back in March, I think, of 2021, Gallup talked about and asked people, you know, were they concerned about race relations? And, you know, it was like 70 some percent said yes. But just because someone says something doesn't mean they're living from any sort of agency to make that change. Because as we look around, it's, it seems to be very clear, at least to me, this person sitting in the seat that I am, there's not 70 some percent of people actively trying to make a difference on this. And so given that something has to be off. So through the lens of awareness and ownership, both um, in this idea described in the book, as Christians, both black or white, what do you think are some of the things that we have to take uh, steps towards in helping overcome these barriers that are out there? And I'll go back to you, uh, Dr. Rennick, and then back to you, Dr. Alexander. Well, I think uh, some of the the barriers are... um, verbal and about the way we express things. I think there's a lot of uh, what I call the blame game going around. And Mm -hmm. I actually believe that Jesus died, not just to forgive us, but as it were, to take the blame, to take the the blame out of the conversation and to get to, as Claude said, focus on the solution. What do we do now to serve serve the Lord? So there are some some, uh, discussions, and we all know them going on, in which the conversation just stops because somebody has said something which we disagree with. I think as Christians, we've, we've simply got to get past that. And I know Claude can pick up on this, but a huge word in his book is agency. Mm-hmm. And this sense, uh, it's, a, it's a riff really on the parable of the talents, not just that we've got a gift, which we all do, but we've got a certain sphere in which God calls us to be responsible and act. And it doesn't matter whether it's tenfold or fivefold or onefold. It just doesn't matter. Do it, says yeah. Jesus. And, and somehow we need to do that. I'd probably say the next thing is that in getting together, and certainly in Lexington, the formation of um, small structures to do what you can where you can. You're, we're not out to solve the, all the problems in the world. But, but what I learned there was you take the big problem and you say, what is the part of that problem that, that faces me? or my friends, my relationships here, that we uh, can do something about. Who knows whether God will multiply the loaves and the fishes, but we do the loaves and the fishes where where we can. And so, Dr. Alexander, is that a little bit when he's talking about what can we do, where we've been put in the time we put of what you're getting at when you tell the story of Queen Esther and Mordecai in your book? Is that around this idea of agency there or expand on that a little bit for those who may not be familiar? Yeah, so when we speak about, about agency, we, we, we mean who you are, that is your person, mm-hmm. practical, what you choose to do every day. But then third, the position that you occupy, the sphere, right. the place, the place, politically, how you advocate. And then I needed another P word that dealt with, with money. So that's pecuniary, you know, access to capital. Well, All of us are Googling that right now. But the story about Queen Esther is here is a, here is a Jewess mm-hmm. who is in the position of queen and, and whose people, there is a threat to exterminate them. Now, she's been, she's been made to be queen prior to the threat arising. Mm-hmm. 
she is queen as a threat arises. She's made aware of it. And at first she says, uh, it's not the right time. The, the king hasn't called for me. And Mordecai says, well, wait, whoa, whoa. Um, deliverance may, may come, is going to come, may not be, be for you. But who can say but that you haven't been made queen for such a time as this? Mm-hmm. That is, you are where you are to exert the influence that you have. Yeah. And, and I think what's interesting is, is that each and every one of us, Acts chapter 17, says that we are where we are for a purpose and time set by God. So I, I think a lot of times people can hear people who are as eloquent and put in positions like both of you men are and think, oh, that's just for them. But when we understand it's not just for them, it's for all of us who've been put in a place in many ways for such a time as this, because God has preordained that. Now, you know, we, we talk, we're talking here as all as ministers or lay leaders or whatever part that we do. I do want to, as we get near the end of our time together, talk about a gathering that's coming up on April 28th. That is actually happening there at National Presbyterian Church in D.C., and it's a gathering specifically to benefit pastors and ministry leaders across the Washington metro area. Um, what is that specifically the goal of that, uh, Dr. Rennick, in that way? Well, uh, it's a wonderful opportunity to welcome both uh, uh, Bishop Alexander and Mac Peer, the authors mm-hmm. of the, the book, uh, into our city and to, uh, for them to uh, be in conversation with each other, just as we are today, uh, right. in large part about the book and the background to the book and the communities. Uh, discussing the communities in, that they have seen mm-hmm. that, uh, that have been mobilized to deal with some aspect of uh, racial reconciliation, uh, serving uh, the God who made us in his image and reconciled all of us um, by the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, we're going to be listening in on that conversation, uh, but we also trust that this will be a, a remarkable time of relationship building uh, some with old friends, but I trust with new friends who've never uh, been at the same table uh, to, together. It's an hour and a half uh, mm-hmm. event is what we, we have in mind. Yes. And so for those of you who are interested and are listening, you can go to oneheartdc.org and find out more information about that. Uh, but that will be on the 28th of April. Again, uh, it will be at uh, National Presbyterian Church there in D.C., um, before we go, um, Claude, do you mind? I think people, uh, one of the things I have to do is share a success story. Just give us like a minute of where you've seen God show up in a place that can only be described as God had to show up to make that difference. So the 757 area code uh, district is in Hampton Roads, mm-hmm. which is also the, the place where the first slaves were, were brought. Mm-hmm. And yet it is in that area code where uh, congregations have been working for over two years, developing projects that address specific issues that tie back to race. Yeah. Very powerful example. Yeah. And so, you know, for stories like that, when you come with some of those stories, be able be able to be heard from people and help them Absolutely. take practical tools in a way. Yes. Oh, well, gentlemen, I have to tell you, uh, Dennis, we say this all the time. We wish we had two hours or three hours and maybe just maybe we can talk Wava into giving us three hours. Uh, I, I know people wouldn't necessarily listen for us talking, but man, I know they would listen uh, to Dr. Rennick and Dr. Alexander. And I hope that they will choose 
uh, to listen in coming on the 28th of April there at National Presbyterian Church. Again, oneheartdc.org is co-sponsoring this event. And Dennis, uh, hearts moved again uh, and just so grateful for men like this and others who are stepping into this issue and showing the truth of the gospel. Amen, brother. I, uh, folks, you've got to go back and listen to this show. I tell you this every time. You hear me say it every time, but I'm serious. I learned something right off Jump Street when, when Bishop Alexander said, ownership isn't about taking blame. It's about mm-hmm. making a difference, doing something, being a part of a solution rather than taking. Man, I mean, how many times have we discussed this, Brian? A right. lot, right? And yet this is something new. I heard. Folks, you got to listen to it again. And Brian's right, man. Go to the National Presbyterian Church. First of all, go to oneheartdc.org. That's oneheartdc.org. Hey, you can call me at the radio station. I'll give you information, 703-807-2266. But oneheartdc.org, on April the 28th, they're going to get together with these folks. It's going to be an amazing evening. And I'm not just saying that as hyperbole, but it's going to be an amazing evening. And so Dennis, come I out forgot to say, place. you know, if you, for some reason, you just can't make it on your counter, go pick up the book required, Amazon and all those other Amen. places. I'll bring it to Amen. you. Amen. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Required, required, required. Remember that. I'm going to read it myself. I promise you I am. Hey, folks, thank you for joining us today. We'll see you again next week. God bless you both. Both of you wonderful men of God, thank you so much. And remember, it's the gospel that makes a way. It's the gospel, the gospel that makes a way. Thank you for joining us and listening to Good News for the City, a gospel partnership between WAVA and One Heart DC. This is a partnership, movement which celebrates and seeks to accelerate the move of the gospel into the Washington, D.C. metro area. It is our prayer that through this radio broadcast ministry of Good News for the City, we will see transformed lives and communities and more and more people responding to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to help bring unity to Bible-believing people and churches in order to multiply our impact in our city, and we would love for you to join us. You can learn more at goodnewsforthecity.com. That's goodnewsforthecity.com. Or you can go to wava.com keyword good news. Or you can call us at 703 703-807-2266. And remember, it's the gospel that makes a way.